Welcome to the Next Door Neighbors podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things neighborly. Here are your hosts, Alex and Irina Mazukin. All right, guys, uh, welcome back on the podcast. We have uh, the strongest and the prettiest man that uh, I know, um, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Robert Oberst. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on here. Um, you are the man the, that climbed the mountain and saw our fearless leader. Mr. Joe Rogan. Ah, Mr. Rogan, Joseph. Joseph. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a cool dude, man. Good guy. A lot of, I think he's, it's crazy his legend. And then when you hang out with him, he's just like any other meathead I've ever been with. You know, he's like, wants to talk about sets. He wants to talk about weights. He wants, he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk about how cool he is. You yeah. know, nobody, nobody cool ever wants to talk about that. You know, if you talk to somebody and the first thing they want to do is talk about themselves, you you find out pretty quick. They're not as cool as you thought. He strikes me in as, and the reason I, and that's how I found out about you, which I love. I mean, he's such an important person, part of our lifetime because you get to be exposed to so many different types of people. Yeah. We all owe a great debt to Joe Rogan. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you were the person, I want to say 2019, 2020, when you were on the podcast? Gosh, I don't know. Um, it has it was, been like two years ago, right? Yeah, it was about two years ago. Time flies, man. <sighs> uh, we're setting up. I'm supposed to, as soon as I, I don't want to talk about the book on here, but I've got a book I'm finishing. And uh, when it's ready, he, he wants me to come back on and talk about it. So we're going to do it again. Um, but the thing about Joe, too, is he doesn't um he doesn't placate you he doesn't not placate he doesn't he won't blow smoke up your skirt you know so like if you've told him you're getting a book done two years ago and you still haven't got that freaking book done he'll be on your ass about it you know really? he'll be like man what are you what are you talking about this should be done you know does he touch base with you like is that what he nah, does? I, I mean no? we we text about little things every yeah. once in a while it's uh yeah it's not it's it's I, i'm also not a big communicator anyway but i'm sure he's much less <laughs> yeah yeah no i learned i learned from from listening to the podcast where they were talking about let's say comedians that would go to the store and they would invite their friends over right other people of status and they're always like when you're in the back room you know don't try to weasel your way into a conversation just be cool be chill and just treat them as a person that is it right well, well with the, especially backstage man when you're backstage at the comedy store and i used to go i was at the comedy store every night for well like five six times a week for about two years and um i was writing and working and stuff and it was when i was young in my professional strongman career and i just I wanted to branch out. I didn't want to make a living off my back forever. And so I was just busting my ass trying to flex my brain muscle. Went up on stage a couple of times, had fun and everything. And um, I had this crazy experience with Joey Diaz. So my, my really good friend, Steve Simone, who's a comedian, he and I, we'd get up every single day. Um, I'd go do cardio and then we'd sit in a random coffee shop and write for like two hours every single day. And uh, he and I, so he and I were really close and he's very, very close with Joey Diaz. And one night we were, we were in the back at the comedy store and I think I'd gone up that night. I'd gone up and told a story. <laughs> yeah, I did. I told a story about being a kid and thinking I was, you know, 
uh, Scarface when I was just some idiot. But uh, man, that's a long story. <laughs> but um, aside from that, I'm standing there and there's this group of us. We're all back there, and 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 I was pretty uncomfortable back there at the time, you know, pretty regularly, just because <sighs> L.A. sucks. L.A. man, it's like if someone's talking to you, they want something from you, and most people they they like especially with me they look at me and they think there's nothing i can get from this person so i'm just not going to waste my time no. so someone who looks the way i look you really get cast aside in la like i i could go on and on about that but cut um, off sleeve standing on stage you know right that and even even when i would dress up and like you know wear nice clothes i still have this face and i still you know, have my background and, and then you set aside all of that because you could still become a famous actor no matter how you look, right? They need people for every role. So aside from all of that, I was still just simply judged on the fact that I wasn't a big actor, you know, like, yeah. like your quality was like, where did your name end up on the, in the title list? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's so freaking ridiculous. And it's, it's, this is the grossest feeling is why I was so happy to get out of LA, but I'm in the back and just standing around a bunch of comedians and I'm just feeling uncomfortable because there's this one guy who's like, he's trying so hard Sorry, it's making me weird that you're looking at me. Like normally, when you do a podcast, nobody looks at you. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never, oh, I don't know. I've never done eye contact during a podcast, <laughs> and I'm a big eye contact guy. Like I am, I stare people yeah. in the freaking eye when I talk to them. That's the way so, I listen. I was like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Doing, no, that's just, I, like, it's just the like first time for me. I'm good. I'm good. I was glad like uh, the pros, like they don't, they want to treat like the microphones are not there. So I'm like, I'm truly talking to you, like you're yeah, having yeah. beers right now. No, okay, no, I get, I'm good, I'm good. I, I won't <laughs> lose my spot. I'm good. I love it. Go for so, it. So, so we're in the back and. There's maybe five comedians, and um, you know there was one of them was kind of the older head of the group of five, like, and uh, he had just done like some kind of small special or something, and he just felt like the badass of the group. So anytime anyone would say anything, which is always a joke with comedians, anyone anyone crack time anyone would crack a joke. He would like remind them that he was better than them. He would check them. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in like some rude way, he'd be like, "Oh, yeah, that's okay." You know, yeah. I, like I remember he. I don't want to say who he said it to, uh -huh. but there was a comedian standing next to me, and he told them that out of their whole career, there was only two minutes of comedy they could listen to. Oh, and. and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't freaking believe it. I'm sitting there, and this guy, like, I'd never heard of this guy. I'd right. never heard of the guy talking trash. To this older gentleman. The, yes. The no, and he wasn't even yeah. that old. He was the old head of the group that uh -huh. we were standing uh -huh. in. He was like maybe low 40s-ish, you know? Okay. For a comedian, that, that meant he had put his time in. Yeah. And um, but, but he wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't Bill Burr, you know? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, and so... It, it it just it was really bothering me. It was just really bothering me. I I got picked on a lot as a kid, and I just whenever I'm around a someone I feel is bullying, my my cackles stand up. Like I'm just yeah. like I I I turn into that child that that felt so cornered, and um I'm sitting there and I'm feeling all this stuff and I'm like you know just super uncomfortable, and um Joey Diaz walks up and he's like. 
you know, he, he's antisocial, just put it lightly. <laughs> he's, uh, but he's freaking hilarious. Did he christen you with the classic cocksucker? Nah, no, 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 no. Didn't, didn't, you know, let me, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're sitting there or standing outside in the back and he kind of steps up to the group area, but not, not, doesn't attach himself to the group. You know, he makes himself like in orbit uh-huh. and he's keeping himself separate. And I see him checking on people. Like he's smoking a uh, joint and he's like looking at people like checking, like what's this motherfucker up to, you know? And, um, and Steve Simone, he goes, he goes, Uncle Joey, and and Joey's face completely changes, like, oh, someone I care about, you know, and like gives him a hug, talks to him, and then Steve goes, this is my friend Rob, and I see him, his face changes before he even sees me, like he lets he lets that moment go with Steve and turns his head towards me, and he turned back into you know the the character he was in The Sopranos, <laughs> like, he, he just turns back into that solid face, and he's like, and just gives me a nod, didn't say a word. And, and, and I already felt like, like I don't want anyone here to think I want something from them. I didn't I, like that was my thing. Like uh, in in L.A., I, I I was there because I wanted to do something and I wanted to build off of my platform and and run away from breaking my back anymore. But I I just I didn't want it the way other people wanted it. Like other people were willing to sell their soul for it. Other people were willing to to hurt their family and friends for it. You know, me I had a two year old and. You know, I I just, I, it wasn't worth that to me. And so I was very aware of the vibe and I was trying very hard to make sure I didn't put that vibe out. And when he looked at me and gave me that nod, I had that just 100% feeling like he knows I feel awkward. He thinks I want something from him. And then that was it. Like, I never spoke to him again. I've, I've spoken to him. Um, like, we had, like, a phone call that he was on one time. And, and, like, other people would mention my name to him and stuff. And I think Steve said something to him about, about like, oh, yeah, don't worry about Rob, you know. Da, da, da. Yeah. He probably has no freaking clue who I am. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, it was it was crazy. I hear – I listen to Joey a lot. I, I'm, I'm starting to like his new podcast a lot more now, yeah. Joey's Joint. It, it it wasn't the church at first, you know, the church of what's happening now was epic. Yeah. Then he switched to Uncle Joey's joint and it was like months and months of, of I'm sorry, but listening to an old man be a complaining old man. Yeah. And then finally it like, it, he hit a switch. And then now when you listen to his show, if you listen to Uncle Joey's joint, it's banging again. It's hilarious. It's funny. Like his life is back. It seems like, like it took him, you know, a, a little bit of uh, leaving LA and, and getting through the pandemic and all that stuff to actually find his funny again. But thank goodness, because man, I, I was, I was bummed out when they got rid of church was a uh, church of what's happening now. Like I used to listen to that yeah. every freaking week, man. What do you think? So I remember hearing about Joey, how he, you know, as a, he was an actor, I think first, then kind of became a comic. He wasn't kind of, it wasn't clicking with him. And then from everybody who, who speaks so well of him and actually knows him, they, they said like one day he came on stage 
and he was just fired up about something and he went into this like rant right and the crowd goes nuts and then he found himself like he right. found his voice and i hear about people especially like well i mean i'll use myself an example like i took i didn't make like 68 youtube videos before i finally kind of found my voice like instead of imitating casey neistat or imitating all these other content creators do you think when he went to the podcast world, he that was the same kind of path of travel where he had to like find his voice for this thing? I'm not sure. Uh, the, the, his podcast footprint is ancient. You know, it's been around for a while. Um, he had a bunch of stuff before the church. You know, so I think from listening to him, and this is me speaking about a stranger, just so everybody knows. Like, I'm not. I am nowhere near qualified to tell you how Joey Diaz feels, <laughs> but let me do it anyway. <laughs> so Joey feels, <laughs> fuck all of you. <laughs> no, so uh, from listening to him, what I gathered was just he was depressed. He was not having a good time. He wasn't, he wasn't loving his life. And then he took some time to reassess all that, and it came together. I mean, you can – he's very honest when he talks. And you can hear it in his in his comedy, you know, where he's at. He's one of those people who, like, I feel like he's a lot like me in the fact that, like, if he's got something he has to say, it has to come out. Like, mm -hmm. he won't, if he thinks you're a fucking tool bag or he loves you or anything in between, he's not the kind of person who can sit there and, and hold that and, and, and not feel some kind of way about it. So... But I will say this too. Um, before we get off of Joey Diaz, I've been to a lot of comedy. I, I've I've seen a lot of stand up. I spent a lot of time around comedians. I was lucky enough to be at the store almost every night while Dave Chappelle was preparing for. I think he hosted the Oscars or something. And while he was preparing for that run in for months and months he would just show up at the store he would just walk in go up on stage light up a cigarette and start talking and he would sit up there for hours and hours and hours and it was like it almost feels disrespectful to say this because i love richard pryor so much but it felt like richard pryor was was back wow. you know like it was just he wasn't telling jokes yeah he was just up there talking about life, talking about everything. And then, then you come to find out like, oh no, that, that's a set he's working out. And his set is so fucking real that you can't tell what, what's worked out, what's not. Like, he's, he's just the fucking man. That, all that being said, the funniest person I've ever seen in my entire life was Joey Diaz. Really? No joke, 30 minutes of like, I can't catch my fucking breath. Like he, <laughs> comes out there and just murders. He starts off fast, gets a hold of the crowd, and just doesn't let you down. And I'm talking like, I saw him, he went up like after Chris D'Elia, and then after him was Rogan, and like there was just, it was a murderous lineup. I think I saw David Spade that night, like just a fucking crew. He stood out far and away, yeah. far and away. And it's not like, He's he's gonna have the most complex jokes. It's not like if you're here for for late callbacks and and you know complex ideas and stuff like that's not gonna be your favorite. But if you're okay with the dirty humor and you're okay with an old man screaming fuck a lot, 
he's the funniest man I've ever. And it's, it's just so real. Like when he gets up there talking about being in prison for for kidnapping somebody and yeah. like having a crack rock stuck up his nose and all that shit. Like get that booger out. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like he didn't make it up. You wow. know it. You feel that. I can only imagine his comedy is contagious when you're in the room too, right? I can only imagine the howling that happens when you just kind of like ah, what? I, I literally had a side cramp. Did you? And 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 that wasn't early in my my uh, like audience. I don't know. It wasn't. It was, I had seen a lot of comedy at that point. Uh-huh. I had seen a lot of very funny people. Bill, to me. If you stretch everyone out and you had to grade them like like a teacher and you had to be consistent, you had to be like, okay, this was complex, so this gets this extra points. And, and you use great wordplay here and you didn't use the same word twice. And there's a whole lot that goes into like songwriting and joke writing and all that stuff. If you were to lay it all out and truly grade somebody right now, I think the highest grade is Bill Burr. Wow. But that doesn't mean... I laughed the hardest at Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. It just means when I when I see the the makeup of his of his act, I can just I can see how much work he put into it. How and he's so freaking clever with the way that he makes you argue with yourself in your head. You know, someone who can who can mess with your own thoughts on your own like constitutions you know like damn man like he made me think i liked masks for a minute (laughs) i was like damn man bill burr's right i want them fucking masks back you know fuck a mask i'm not saying that i'm just saying he's smart he he can make you challenge yourself you know there's lots of different kind of comedy out there lots of different kinds of people you know they're the most important people in our society because i mean they they always they push that envelope and and they always i mean these professional comedians they're the ones that explains this to us it's like if we don't push the envelope then we don't know where the line is right if we don't make fun of things that we go and we're not even talking about politically correct stuff we're just talking about like like as humanity things. right making fun of kids yeah, making yeah, fun of women you know exactly i remember like before i had kids and you're you're a dad as well like before i had kids like i didn't care if i heard an abortion joke right, right. or a miscarriage joke right and then when you have kids and you have a miscarriage and you and, and all this stuff you're like hey man i don't i don't even want to try to laugh at that but when right. you disconnect your thoughts and your ideas and just understand what's happening it's a very special place yeah it's and a, it's also good too, like like you said, some people have their own personal history attached to why something's funny and why it's not. And forcing yourself to, you know, maybe maybe you will never find it funny. You know, I understand if someone's had um, an issue where they've lost a baby, you could never find something like that funny. Or they're like rape jokes, yeah. you know. I can totally understand why someone would never find that funny if they've got trauma attached to it. But if you can get to the point where you're like, I understand that it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. I understand why it should be allowed to be said. Then I think, you know, you're levitating at that point. I, I want to and I want to do a little jump back and forth because I didn't know you 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 did or maybe you're still doing stand up comedy. Or no, I, mean, I, I wasn't doing stand up comedy uh-huh. then. No, I went up on stage and told stories. Oh, you just told stories. And okay. I didn't know what I wanted to come of it. I knew I wanted to practice speaking in front of people. I knew that I wanted to get comfortable with like, you know, the one drunk guy in the audience making me feel weird and all that stuff. It's that that actually did happen. And I yeah. like I I got to the point and no, I didn't get I started luckily, like I'm so God spoiled me. 
God, God gave me chance after chance after chance. He gave me size. He gave me more brains than most people my size. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not saying it's a lot of brains. I'm just saying <laughs> it's more brains than most people my size. And, you know, when I started, the very first time I walked up on stage, I just started talking, started telling a story. There was some drunk guy in the audience in front of me. I was surrounded we were in the belly room in the comedy store, and if you've ever been in the belly room, there's this upper section around the outside. It's kind of like a bowl, and it was filled with comedians because it was a it was a storyteller night, and a guy invited me on stage, so I just went up there, and um, there was a couple people in like the main front crowd, but most of it was just comedians up in the rafters, and and you could tell when they thought you were funny and when they didn't, you know, like a comedian's good at letting you know, like, and eh, that was hacky or haha, that was really good, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, immediately I just started telling the story. I didn't know what I was gonna say when I went up there, and I just went up there. I've got so many stories, <laughs> but the thing is, is like. You don't want to get halfway through a story and realize, oh, I can't tell that, you know? Like, Ooh, you know, my yeah. story, I don't know what demographic listens to your uh, podcast, but... Uh, 16 to, to 18. That's, that's, our, that's our fresh fresh new grads. Really? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say. It, it's all over the place. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know who's going to get turned off by this, but that's I told it. a story from when I was a kid, and um, I, I got... I was homeless at 16, and so that set me on this wild path where by the time I was like, I was like 19, uh, I'd been kicked out of college, and um, I was selling coke, and it was, I, I was so stupid, I was selling what probably was 98% baby powder, Ooh. you know, and um, just getting ripped off by old gangsters, and um, I... <laughs> So there was a lot of funny craziness that happened with that. But the story I ended up telling was I went back. I, I used to work security and I ended up, you know, like hopping the fence of this government facility and like sneaking around trying to snag laptops and stuff in the middle of the night. Like a 400 pound coke head. Like that's it's it's weird shit. It's like truly Chris Farley style yeah. ridiculousness. And, and there's a bunch of stuff that happened and stuff. And, and of course it's all alleged and fake. It never really happened, but, um, <laughs> allegedly, <you guys> yeah, <laughs> but I'd also don't know the statute of limitations for like, well, coke. you were 16 at that time, right? I, I, I was, I think I was 19, 19 at that time. Yeah, yeah, I'm 37 fine. now. You're fine. But that was a government facility. Yeah. That, but that, as somebody who watched the Lincoln lawyer, I think you're fine. That's someone who watched the Lincoln lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I feel safe now. So let's let's talk about the whores and prostitution too. <laughs> let's get into. It. So you went on stage, uh, not because. And correct me if I'm wrong. You went on stage. What I'm hearing is to to exercise this ability to to speak in front of people. That's it. Yeah, that's it for your career. I did no, not even necessarily for my career. Oh. Just because uh, when someone offered it to me, I was afraid. Uh, I was like, oh, I gotta go up in front of people, and that that repulsion and that fear made me be like, oh, you got to do it. That's a special place. Well, that's that's where I've forced myself to be in life. Like that's whenever, not necessarily. Like if I don't feel like putting my hand in a shark's mouth, I don't force myself to do that. <laughs> right. It's not like this is a catch-all scenario. But when there's something safe that has growth potential in in, in any way, I'm not saying like I want to be a stand-up comedian. No, no, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever dedicate enough to what that takes. So. I don't even think that's truly an option in my life. It definitely wasn't why I got on stage. I, want, I 
I just had that fear in my gut. And, you know, my whole life as a kid, I always ran away from that fear. And so when I became homeless at 16, I started to realize that the universe bends to what you do. The universe bends to how you will, or the universe bends to what you will it to, but the universe also bends to the decisions you make. And a lot of people call that God. A lot of people say that it's just spiritual connection. Does it really matter? But what really happens is when you make the right choice, when you make the good choice, immediately the universe shows you like, hey, you're in the right spot. You know, it might be something little. Maybe I'm thinking about tacos and a Taco Bell commercial comes on. Something stupid, whatever. It doesn't matter. Then, then you, you run outside and, and like there's trash on your front porch and you're like, ah, I could walk past that or I could just pick it up. Simple things. Right. Just pick that thing up and then you, you just start to find yourself more and more seeing that you're in the right place in, in the universe where you're supposed to be. Wherever, whatever your potential is, whatever your best could be. And I know I'm getting into the weeds here. Um, I'm, I was raised by hippies and gypsies, so, <laughs> you know, suck it up for a minute. Dude, you're like the closest to Joey D's. Uh, Coke, hippies, government facilities. <laughs> no, there's, there's way more, too. But anyways, so in, in my whole life, I've never felt as good as when I made the right decisions. When I made just simple right choices and that's not running away from fear you know do the do the little task that needs done even though you don't want to you know when you simple shit that everyone else knows too like don't hit the fucking snooze button right you know like we all know these things it feels crazy to me to say them and i'm like oh my gosh nobody's gonna relate nobody knows and in my head i feel that way but I know everyone knows that fucking feeling. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows if you go warm up your car, come inside and have a big glass of water, start your day off right. Like, like if you do all the right steps, all of a sudden, like, your day goes better. All of a sudden, like, oh, man, I made that light. Or, oh, man, I, I fucking Chick-fil-A is open today. It's not Sunday. Whatever the fuck it is. Like, those things, those little minute details mean nothing. It's that feeling you get that's I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. That comes so much more when you choose the right thing. And to me, in my life, I've chosen to step forward when I'm afraid. And that's gotten me into all kinds of situations and all different things. And that decision right there is probably why I ended up on Rogan. What, what part of your life do you feel like you got that mentality of, of that, that awareness of the, where you are in the universe and making the proper right decision? What age did that hit? Well, that that because that's a lot. That's a whole process. Right. I started trying to, like I started trying to make decisions like that when I was sixteen and homeless. Um, so there there was this old um, like a mail cart uh, that was abandoned. There's this small airport in Watsonville, California, in Santa Cruz County. It's a really small airport. And, like, you, it's not no commercial flights, no nothing, just a tiny little airport. And outside the fence, uh, there's still to this day, there's this old um, UPS like post cart. And I used to sleep under that. I used to sleep under that almost every single night unless one of my friends had a couch I could sleep on. And so laying under that in a pretty ghetto part of town as a kid, I just had a lot of time to think and it's 
those thoughts are so much more poignant. They're so sharp. You know, like the, the, I'm sure anyone can look back in their life and maybe you weren't sleeping under a mail cart and fighting off, you know, homeless people. But wherever you were when you were at a low point and you thought to yourself, how did I get here? How do I get out of this? Is this my life? Whenever you've had those, whatever you came up with in your mind, it was sharp. And maybe it was the wrong thing. Maybe it was, hey, we should start smoking crack. That'll fix it, right? But that idea was like a lifeline. You know, it's not, you cling to those things to keep you sane. When you're sleeping under a mail cart, going to school seven day, or five days a week in the same clothes, having to pretend to the other kids that things are going all right, your coach doesn't know. The only, the only people in my life at that point were coaches and football players. None of them knew what was going on with me. None of them had any clue until two days after the last SATs were given senior year when they were like, hey, you didn't take SATs? So you're a second-team All-American, first-team All-State football player out of California who's not going to college because you didn't know you had to take SATs? That's when it all fell down. But, you know, those, those moments you really have a, an opportunity to ingrain something in you that will last forever. I know, I know so many people who, you know, they learned, oh, I got to check people really hard. I got to make sure the people coming into my life are worth it. I got people that, you know, they've, they've learned so many different little things in those moments and it's like you can't get rid of them. My thing was do the thing you're scared of. Just, just do it. You know. So you're 16, you're sleeping underneath this thing, you're going to school the same clothes. You're aware where you are, like at that particular moment, right? I don't know if to some people that might be like the lowest, to other people no lower than that is addiction to something, right? And right. selling everything else. What, what was going through your mind at that point? You're like, you know what, tomorrow's a new day, I'm just gonna do the right thing. What's, how do you get I out of I was a that? kid, man. Right. It's not gonna be the, the answer you would hope for. I was a kid and I knew I was going to be a professional football player. Okay. Like that's all anybody ever told me. You know, that's the only reason I went to high school. I, I wasn't even going to go to school. I come from a family that didn't care if you went to school or not. And so why, why would I go to school? Like my parents don't care if I go to school, you know, I'll mess around at home, you know, but, um, I joined the high school. I went to high school <laughs> which is like a legal requirement, just so you guys know. <laughs> I went to high school because I wanted to be a football player, and like it just took off immediately. I, I, I had this box in my room. I remember the day I left, um, they were kicking me out. My, my, my whole family had been gone. I was living in the house myself for about two weeks. And the guy that came to kick me out, I remember the last thing I was doing was I was going to this giant wooden military box that my dad had from his days in the Navy that he gave me. And it was full of letters. It was like LSU, Stanford, you know, every school you've ever heard of. And I had committed, I had verbally committed to Nebraska. And at the time, Nebraska was the place to be if you were an offensive lineman. You know, they had an amazing offensive line coach. It was like three out of five starters got put in the NFL every every single uh, rotation of uh, graduation. You know what I mean? And so it was the, it was the the best place I could have gone, and I was very happy to go there. 
and are very happy to have been accepted there and then lost all that. Like that was all taken away. But when it was taken away, like I still had all these people like trying to give me stuff and trying to tell me like, you know, oh, you're, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And like when you go to school and you've been a dork your whole life, you know, like I bounced around from school to school, school to school, and then finally end up where I'm going to go to high school. And I'm, I'm in Watsonville and I'm going to school in Aptos, which is like the wealthiest area. Uh, Aptos is the richest, most wealthy area in Santa Cruz. Watsonville is where all the field workers and people live because it's a big agricultural area. All the field workers live in this one little section and, and me. And, um, so I didn't fit in. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know where I was going with this ramble, but I didn't fit in. I didn't have any kind of like social status. I had, I had two friends and I was, I was picked on a lot. I just, I don't, I'm not trying to get into this boo hoo me thing, but I had, I had a lot to develop before I became who I was at 16. And then at 16, I was still so far back. I felt like all these other kids had, had, you know, they'd learned about money. They'd learned about college. They'd learned about all these different things that I'd, I'd never had any of that. You know, I'd, I'd never once had somebody explain to me that, you know, SATs are how you get into college. And if you have a 2.5 GPA and you have an 800 score in your SATs, you're technically eligible for any Division One school. Then you have to just sign this piece of paper called a clearinghouse and make sure you don't have any drugs in your system at the time, mm. which for me, I would have had to have been careful. <laughs> yeah, it's like who navigates you through that? Unless you grew up wealthy and networking, right. then you have other people to network to kind of go, hey, by the way, I have these questions for you. Um, it's... It, that's such a, you know, I'm, I'm, I've just finished this book, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, right? And, and, mm. and he's breaking down all these case studies of like somebody who grew up in a rich family and here's their opportunities and somebody who was successful, but they didn't grow up with those opportunities. What part of their life really made them go flip of a switch? Like, yeah. I'm a Russian immigrant. I'm sure my upbringing helped a lot, but really. You weren't born here? No, I moved to the States in 96. Oh, wow. Yeah, my parents moved Your here. Your English is amazing. Well, if I have a few beers, it'll be different. Yeah. Uh, but I, I grew up with a lisp, so when you have a lisp, you have to focus on hiding yes. as you enunciate yes, the word. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so I kind of started asking myself, like applying to this book, I was like, okay, well, what's my, like, I feel I've been married for 10 years this August. And I told my wife, I was like, the guy that I am today is a completely different guy than you married 10 years ago. Yeah. And that flip of a switch happened probably in the last a solid six years. And I know what it was. Like I finally came down to it. I was like, I've, I've consumed all these goats, like all these greatest of all time people, these hard people. Yeah, but who, how can goat be plural? Uh, it's true. Goats. Goats. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right? Sh you can't. Sh share should, that with everyone else. That should me, only, well, this is why I said I'm an immigrant. And it was just <laughs> like, yeah, this is allowed. <laughs> this this one's for you, Putin. I got to get out of jail card. <laughs> you definitely do. Plus, you're not the – everyone says that. You know, you also – you probably – and I, it's, it's easier for me to talk about, like, Second Amendment stuff. It's easier for me to talk about anti-communist stuff. It's easier right, to talk, right. I, like, the hey, shit buddy, that we all yeah. think about was, all the time right now. I was like, hey, guys, it's not sexy what, you know, Lenin came up with. 
it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Here's why. Yeah. Let me tell you some stories about my great great grandparents. Oh my gosh. So, so we need to hear this. Well, and and it's 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 so much easier to talk about it. You know what I mean? You don't have somebody called you a white supremacist because you're looking. No, right. no, you don't understand where I came from. Like, yeah. So, you you do get a nice little getaway free card. It, there's nice. nice, and I think I try to be vocal, and I try to be you know. Like, I get a little bit of that if yeah. people know me, yeah. right? Like yeah. if people know me, uh, and um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I will. I recently had a strongman competitor run around and tell people that I was in the KKK. Really? Yeah. And 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 wow. my immediate thought was, well, fuck. How am I going to feed my family now? Like. Like you, you wonder what's going to happen. Luckily, like that's, that's an irrational thought for me. I own all my stuff. Like my, my company that I make clothes with is mine. My TRT company is mine. Like I don't, I can't be canceled. Oh, like, you, oh, wait, I know you have a TRT company. Yeah. yeah. Hook me up when Man shit goes house, downhill. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'll talk I to you about people, it. I tell people, when I turn 40 and, TR, and my testosterone, like I'm getting on TRT for sure. It's crazy that people don't. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's to me, it's. It's a stubbornness to hold on to an old way. And it's like, you don't want to live your best life. I want to look like Tim Kennedy, dude. Right, exactly. Yeah. Don't you want to feel good and keep keep uh, your love life flaring, you know, into your 50s and 60s? Anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, KKK. You know, the <laughs> Back guys, to that. The, the pointy hats, right? The pointy hats. So, uh... This guy, and, and again, I'm not going to say this person's name. I do this all the time. I'm not doing this for this person or this show. Yeah. I don't say someone's name unless I want to promote them. I will not say someone's fucking name because we, that's our power. Like it, it's, it's everyone in this room builds someone up or breaks them down or, or anything. When you say someone's fucking name, that's their power. And that's how you live forever too. For the other good side of that coin. There, there truly is life forever on earth. If you've affected enough people in a positive way, like your life lives forever, you know? So anyways, yeah. back, back onto my hippie shit. I swear to you, I'm not high right now. No, I I'm love it. Sobering dude. up as we get I on love this it. interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm at home. This was literally like, like not even two weeks ago. I'm at home and I get a phone call from, um, a woman who is a prominent owner in amateur strongman. She's um, she's like the face of amateur strongman. She's African American woman, and um, you know I've I've luckily thank God known her for twenty years, and uh, she's like she's like hey how's it going da, 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 talking and all this stuff and like you know I hadn't spoken to her for a little bit like I, I ain't no amateur you know what you calling me for <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know like we talk about family stuff but that's usually text you know so I was like curious as to what's going on. And she's talking about this person, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, so you know, they they told me that you were in the KKK, and that uh, they actually have a picture of you at a clan meeting with your hood off." And I was like, "Just blown away, blown away!" Like my, you're like, "I can't." I get in one of those things. The first, <laughs> no, no, I got a way better joke than that for <laughs> okay, it. Go for it. Yeah, but uh, the feeling you get when someone says something like that, it's like. You immediately want to defend yourself. Yeah. You want to be like, I've got black friends. No, 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 no. It's like, that's the most racist thing you could say. Yeah. Like, it's like, but that's your reaction. Like, that's your reaction. I, I, two, I have 10 siblings. Two of my sisters are black. And, and one of my brothers is homosexual. So I've had, like, one of my brothers is also Mexican. I've had all cultures 
on me my whole life. I spent every summer growing up, my mom was a midwife and we used to go stay in El Paso and spend every summer in Juarez uh, birthing babies. Like I brought probably close to 250 babies into this world in wow. Juarez, Mexico. Not by myself, I was a child. <laughs> I'm like, all right, stand there smoking a cigar, you know. That's a good one for you. But, um, you know, she she said that to me, and so like I I have this whole cultural background of I, I'm I'm a fucking gypsy. Like I don't even feel like I have a culture. I feel like I am me. I'm this. I'm an American, and that's that's something truly unique. Is we're all mutts. Even if you're 100 percent white, or you came here in '96 from Russia, and you still have Putin on your cell phone, huh? Do you I know, know what's, you, you know what's even crazier? Like, than Come on. Do you know what's crazy in this? I'm Russian. My wife is 100 percent Ukrainian. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's not that rare, though. My yeah, buddy yeah. in Ukraine's been dating a Russian yeah. girl forever, and and you know, it's, yeah. it's, but he won't marry her, huh? How come? Because he's, cause he's like, a ah, slut. Because I used he's to be our, that used to be our land. That's <laughs> no, what he was thinking. No, no, no. Him, it's because he's a slut, and he owns a bunch of like. By the way, we have uh, support Ukraine from Bunker Branding shirts. We do actually. <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but thank you for connecting me with Bunker Branding. Yeah, yeah, nice. great. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, you're uh, saying you're a mutt. Yeah, uh, or, so or I'm a mutt, mutt. And, yeah. and that's the thing about being an American. Once you're an American, you're an American. It's like it's like being in the family. Like nobody can talk shit about my little brother, but my family, right? It, that's the same thing. If you're an American and you love this country, then yes, let's try and fix it. Talk all the shit you want. Let's come up with something that makes everyone happy, which is never going to happen. But that's the process, right? Yeah. You earn that right by by taking your citizenship or or just by being a proper member of society. You know, that's just it's a given. It's a God given right. I truly believe in that. Like. God-given rights in our constitution. We're the only country that believes in God-given rights. Every other country gives you rights. We are born with them here. Yes. So it's it's to me that means a lot. And so um I just have this long history with this person and she knows my family. Like my my mom was literally arrested the street so she lives in St. Louis. The street she lives on, two blocks away from it, my mom was arrested marching with Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, wow. And, like, her arrest record, they, they tried to expunge it. We went, <laughs> get into the weeds here. <laughs> we went to court on some other shit because we're fucking wild. And they, they were like, oh, you know, we can expunge this. And my mom was like, don't you dare take that off my record. Oh, wow. You know? And so, like, I've, I know... Yeah. All these things, and this person knows all these things about me. And like, I was like, that's crazy. And like, I told her about the street and yeah. like showed her pictures and all this stuff. And so she was like, you know, she didn't believe it for a moment. And uh, she's like, that's not Robert. No, 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 yeah. no. No, not only that, like, yeah. called them, call, called me immediately and walked away from them, you know? So, uh, had the conversation with her and she's like, yeah, I, they've they've told other people, I'm sure. I don't know, da 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 da. She was like, "Don't get angry, don't get angry." You know, everybody knows you. Don't don't get angry. You know, and I was like, "Okay." You know, I let I let it go, hung up, and I'm, I'm no, I, I let her go. I didn't let it go, yeah. and I'm like just boiling. And man, I'm I'm okay with someone talking bad about me. I'm okay with someone saying like, "Oh, 
you you suck at deadlifts or whatever. Sure, it's yeah. like I'm I'm one of the best in the world, but not the best in the world. So that doesn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, it's like, like if you want to hurt my feelings, call me fat or ugly. Don't don't talk about weightlifting because that's my job. Tell bro. me my legs are skinny. Right. You want to hurt my feelings? It's like if someone's gonna be like, you don't know woodworking, yeah. you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, like comment something that I would actually be like a little bit worried about. Yeah. But uh, you know, um. When it comes to this stuff, I'm I'm sensitive, and uh, it's it's I I love our American history. I'm very yeah. I'm very proud to be uh, an American, and so uh, it's a obviously it goes without saying we're in a time where that kind of stuff could really fuck with you, and yeah. not not only that, just just someone purposefully going out there to mess with your way of life. It it gets you going. So do they Photoshop you onto this thing? No, no, no. There is no picture. Oh, there's no, no picture. There is, I mean, they. I don't think so. I've so, I've yet to see it. Well, so anyway, so I get done with that phone call. Immediately call my two mentors. And now I would not say their names on here, but like I'm not trying to clout chase. I'm not fucking like. Oh, I know these people. I have two mentors, and I won't even say their names. One of them's Jewish and one of them's black. Mm -hmm. And like, I never thought about the fact that my two mentors. That's Ari Shafir and, and Dave Shafir. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Those, those are way bigger. Bill Goldberg and C.T. Fletcher. <laughs> oh, wow. Those are my people. Like, C.T. Fletcher got me into the, the social media game. Like, he's the reason I do everything I do now. He, he brought me out to L.A., had me sit down to have dinner with his wife. And, and just talk to me. And he's like, son, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do it. And, and, and every step of the way has helped me all the way. Goldberg is like my family. Like his son, Gage, and his wife, Wanda, mean the world to me, maybe even more than Bill does. And uh, like he's the kind of friend that I at 2 in the morning I could call him and be like, I'm having a hard time. And he'll sit up and talk to me. Like my two mentors – have been so good to me, and I'm so lucky that I have them. Didn't even realize their race or religious beliefs. I didn't think about that until I called them to tell them people are saying I'm in the KKK. <laughs> Bill just starts laughing, 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 laughing. And and if once he catches his fucking breath from laughing in my fucking face, like a good friend would, you know, <laughs> yeah. once that's all done, he yeah. goes, why don't you call him? The person, yeah, yeah, confront him. And I'm like, how in my 37 years of life, I consider myself a man. And I've been a man for about six years since my son was born, you know? And how, how did I not think of that right away? Like, yeah. to me, out of everything I've said, out of everything that's happened, like, coked out fucking thievery, all of that, I'm most embarrassed that I didn't think of that. That I didn't just... Stop and call this guy like that. That should be my first reaction, you know, and I didn't I didn't like run my mouth to a bunch of other people. But the fact that it hadn't even popped in my head really upset me at myself. And that was a moment where it was like, you better mark that shit down. You need to grow here, you know. And so talk to talk to him. He was like, he was like, you got to call him. So before I even called CT, I, I called this person up. They didn't pick up. Left him a message and was like very plain about it, not not aggressive. Nobody's gonna call me back no. if I'm like motherfucker, you know, <laughs> like, like Joey Diaz. Nobody's calling me. So, um, 
That's funny. I can't believe we're talking about this. I didn't think I'd ever talk about this anywhere. Oh, but, I'm humble. But Thank I'm, you. I'm, it's just... I don't know. I'm a, I'm a rambler. I, no, I like it. So let me, no, ask, let me finish yeah, this. Yeah, okay, ahead, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, last yeah, last yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm rambling long. So so I I call him. He doesn't pick up. I leave the message, and then I call CT. Uh, CT doesn't pick up either, but he ends up calling me back pretty quick. I left him a message saying, "Hey, people are saying I'm in the KKK pops. Like, call yeah, me." Yeah. Like, and so he called me back <laughs> real quick, and he was like, "He's like, Big Ob, what the fuck is going on? You know, like, what is this shit? Like, we got we got to make a video, and and I'm gonna release this old video of you and me fucking around, and you saying that the girl you dated in high school looked just like me, and all because <laughs> like, like I we did this skit, and like I was like just uh ma- like not mad living, but I was like free forming, just spitting bullshit." And and I started to say like you know like just like I'm I beat his ass. It was like a whole jokey thing. And then I didn't want to say all that to CT because I love him so much that I just leaned into like this weird tangent where I started going off of how like my girlfriend looked exactly like <laughs> CT Fletcher and like I don't know weird shit. But he's like I'm gonna release the video again just so everybody knows and, and all this stuff. And he's like you know, I was like CT. Uh, you know, back to the photo, I was like, man, they're saying they got this photo of me at a clan meeting with my hood off. And I'm like, I was like, I call him Pops. I was like, Pops, you know that ain't true. Like, you know that ain't true. I would never take my hood off. <laughs> <laughs> and he cracked up. He cracked up so good. Oh, man. But that, that was it, man. Treated like the Mandalorian. Yeah. I think that was cool. <laughs> so, like, okay, let me ask you this. So, you're, when you people look, and this is complete stereotypes, like they look at a big guy there, there's always these like impressions of them, like, well, they're, 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 they're always, you know, they have no problem standing up to bullies. They, they, you, you know, sticks and stones don't break their bones. You know what I mean? Like, words can't hurt them. So, and then I remember pairing that concept with, I remember David Goggins' book, Don't Can't Hurt Me, and he was talking about the idea of like being uncommon. He's lying though. What? If you look at David Goggins, it's like, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but when I see David Goggins, I see someone running from something. Really? Yeah, like, like he doesn't seem comfortable in his face. When I see him, his eyes, his face, and yeah, maybe that's his personality. Like he's just always on that I'm uncomfortable so I got to move bit and that Uh makes way more sense than what I'm trying to say you don't think he's afraid to go back to the old self that he was no that's true too like but but that still is running from something like I don't I see guys out there running yeah and they're just running to run like Cam Haynes Mm -hmm. isn't running from something He's running to run, and you see it on his face and his posture and his attitude when he's talking to people about why he's running. Um, Cam Haynes is never, like, defending himself Mm -hmm. or aggressive or or explaining himself. Cam Haynes is just, hey, I made this cool video of me running through the woods, you know, and then you see him picking up a deer on his back, and it's like there's no, like, explanation. There's no – there's no – build up to this point like it seems like Goggins is like always trying to explain why he is the way he is and maybe that's just the way motivational speakers talk I wonder you know yeah all of this could be conjecture bullshit but when I see Goggins I don't see someone I can relate to I don't see someone that I can I can take from because to me I see him and I feel bad 
Like I, a, I, a person in pain? Is that what you're kind of thinking? Not necessarily in pain, but like, like I said, it's just like he's running from something. And maybe, maybe he's running from his old self, mm. and that's and that's what carries him. And that's that's a great motivator for a lot of people. Like, I don't want you to think I'm insulting David Goggins. Like, he's a pussy. He's running away. I've heard a lot of terrible shit about him, but I don't believe anything unless I see it myself. Right. So with with him, when I watch his stuff, I don't feel motivated. I don't feel like, man, I should go kill it. Like, mm. you know, I, when I watch him. I, I see in his face, like, I don't even want to say it. I, I, I see someone who's running from something. And, and, and it would make sense if he describes what he's doing as, like, I'm running from my older self or, like, you know, whatever, whatever that breaks down into explaining it. It doesn't have to be as – I can be right and not be as harsh as I'm sounding. Like, it sounds like I'm saying, like, oh, this pussy's running sure, away from something. Sure. Like, that guy served our country, like, yeah. in the most elite levels. He is a savage beyond savage. He's not scared of anyone. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the what drives him isn't the same kind of motivation that drives me. Mm-hmm. What drives him I, – I wouldn't – I would be surprised if Cam Haynes listened to him. Interesting. So, I mean, with me, I work out every single day to – to make sure that I don't go back to my thoughts that I of myself, right? I don't like. So you're running for something too. I am. I'm running from voices in my head. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm running from those voices where email after email, project after project. I'm scared. I'm gonna run out of ideas. I'm gonna. I'm scared. I'm gonna run out of content. I'm scared. Uh, I, you know, people are gonna but find out. But that's not running head. from something. That's that's running to something. That's to, to running towards being better. Right. 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 But but the, but the, see, our words are very important. Yeah. When. When you explain that, you explain two sides of your coin. You explain that you're running to these things that like being afraid of not having content doesn't, doesn't it just, that's how you look at it. What you're, you're, you know, you need to create the content. So you need to move forward and think of what to make, think of what to build, think of what to say on the podcast. Let's come up with a new creative twist. That's towards things. That's, that's I need to build. I need to grow. I need to expand. I need to be better. Mm-hmm. That's that like that self doubt, that imposter syndrome. That I relate to that completely, the one hundred percent. But when someone says, "I used to suck," so every day I work out because I'm scared I'm going to turn into that guy that sucked. That's running from something. Huh? That to me, that's where I disconnect and like it. it, it I've been through so much weird little shit in my life where like, like I can go off on a tangent, obviously you see in this, I love it. like yes. I can go off on a tangent in my mind too. Like, so when I watch David Goggins, sometimes I go off in this tangent that's not productive for me and it probably has nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Like m- maybe he has no clue what the hell I'm talking about if we're to even hear this and has no relatability whatsoever. But if I perceive it, then to me it's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you as a person were a whole different person 20 minutes ago before you told me you moved here from Russia in 96. You it was 96, was, you right? Was, you thought I was white supremacist too? Yeah, for sure. For okay, sure. okay. I thought we were going to go to the Klan meeting <laughs> together. <laughs> I brought an extra hood. <laughs> so, no, no, I, I, it's just, it's, 
that's a whole different cultural background. Yeah. From someone who grew up in Idaho to someone who grew up in Russia and came here, it's a whole different thing. And and the only things I've thought of so far in the four seconds I've had to think of it are the positives of like, oh, you really respect what we have here. You really understand, you know, like, yes. You know what I mean? As a Russian person, having the constitution on your arm, I mean, it's... right. But that's the only piece of paper that's that's like that, you know. Right, like, I, right. I I totally believe in that. that My mom asked me. She goes because I grew up in a, a very religious uh, community and you know anti tattoos. And my mom, I remember she asked me just last year. She never brought up anything about tattoos, but she asked me. Uh, she goes, "Do your tattoos even mean anything to you?" And I was like, "And I was like, yeah, mom. There's a lot of meaning behind them." And I was like, "For example, you know, I have the we the people here." And she goes, "Why is that so important?" And I go, "Does your mom live here?" Yeah, yeah. They're okay. all they're in Seattle. I grew up in Seattle. And I was like. You don't understand. Like it's weird. Like there's immigrants who are like my my in-laws who, when they moved here, they go, "We're gonna be so enrooted in this culture. We're gonna work the jobs that people work here. We have opportunities to start the businesses. We're right. making money. We're growing. Become I don't, an American. I, I don't care who my kids marry. I don't care who they're hanging out with. Right. We're here. Yeah, a real American. And then there's people, and this happens on every nationality, whether it's you know Chinese, Korean, Russian. They what they do is they come here, and this is more on the older they stay in their community right they move into a community where it's all russians yes. they only eat russian food and go to the russian store to buy the russian they liquors. reap all the benefits but they don't put anything back into the community right they're not part right. of the salad the the, the mixing pot, they, they also pot. never really get the full benefit of being american either no you know? they don't they don't as a kid and i i actually was i was visiting seattle two weeks ago and i told this to my dad for the first time because you got to understand like a relationships between you know parents and uh, in slavic communities they're not close they're not kids are supposed to be seen not heard and uh, Eastern Europe, baby. Eastern Europe, <laughs> blood, in, blood in, blood out. <laughs> and I remember telling my dad just two weeks ago, for the first time ever, um, I said, "You know, one thing I wish you raised this differently um, that I regret you did." And keep in mind, I've been disowned and all this stuff. Like I have my own childish trauma that I bring. But I go, um, I wish you never t discouraged us from dating Americans and hanging out with Americans, even though we're living here. Cause to me, the way my brain worked is, and my wife helped me. She's, she's a very smart person. She helped me understand myself. She goes, you're a loyalist. So meaning my perspective is always, you don't slap the hand that feeds you. So when we moved to the States, we moved for two reasons. My middle brother was born with development and delay. So he was born with underinflated lung. I was his guardian for a very long time. And then uh, my oldest brother was just about to go into uh, every kid in Russia, 18, just like Israel. You have military. to serve military, yeah. right? And at that time, they were in Afghanistan, right? And so uh, my, my parents kind of did this whole thing like, well, we got to move here for those two reasons. And we did. And my right. dad got to start a business. But and the truth is, is if you came for those two reasons, there was a lot more behind it too. Like there's a lot more benefits than just that. Like, well, the benefits for sure. I mean, we, we came for those reasons. But the thing is, my dad still doesn't consider this his home. He said that oh, no. he goes back to Russia every couple of for like a month or two. I at know a time. that feeling, man. That's such an uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable feeling. feeling. And, and, and listen, this is, I don't want to like because my dad and I are good. Like we have a lot of bad spots. It's like a wave. Right. But, but and it's like a lot of just, he's the one who handed down the hood to you. Right. Like he gave you. Well, let's not do hoods. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's not do the hoods. Okay, okay. No hoods. No hoods. <laughs> we'll talk about it once we turn the cameras off. Right. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stalin was the man. <laughs> you know, I think I think Putin has a lot of people. No, no, but it's like it, so it it was wild to have this. Like, so there are people in this country who they come here, they have all the benefits. It's like we moved here, we got on social security, right, or sorry, on welfare, and we use welfare just like it was intended to be a crutch, right? right? You get your feet up, and you and so we got off of it. They, my dad worked two jobs, worked in a chop shop, and did stucco construction. A true and, chop shop. A true chop shop. We had multiple cars. Well, not chop shop in the true meaning like they took a stolen car and then okay, pieced it out. So it wasn't a it chop was, shop. It was, it was an it, auto shop. It was an auto. It was a, it was a, they bought the cars that were wrecked in salvage yards. Oh, nice. And then they would weld them together nice, and put pieces nice. together. That's cool. That's on that perspective. And so like, and then I look back at it. And so that's why I had this conversation. I was like, and it's funny because my brother has been since divorced and remarried an American girl. He married a Russian girl the first time and mm -hmm. then married Mary and she's the greatest girl in the world yeah and I, I just remember telling my dad i was like i just wish you never did that because i think it because now i'm stuck with this ukrainian <laughs> chick <laughs> i didn't know what options <laughs> i could have married a married yeah. chick yeah but uh no but there's also i mean going back to opportunities that we're talking about i was again finishing this book i was thinking what I, it was actually a scary feeling you know like when you were like imagine if you didn't have your son or imagine if you didn't have these opportunities or you didn't need those people i had that thought i was like if, if I if we never moved to the States in 96, my life would be very, very different in a very negative way. Oh, my gosh. It's and how, it's, how old are you right now? Uh, I'm uh, I'll be 34 this 34. next month. So like, I think you'd have been I don't know exactly the rules, but you'd be forced in right now. Right. Like, it, you know, better than me. <laughs> right? <laughs> they'd they'd kind of like, you know, get, you know take I, your fucking gun. I put your like, fucking boots on. I feel like I feel like. I started this podcast going, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm Russian. I can never be canceled. And then I would go, Robert's like, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Robert's like, remember all that stuff you said yesterday? <laughs> uh, I say, that's the thing is I feel uncancelable now. Like, yeah. like I, there's certain things I won't do because I just don't morally, like, agree with them. Yeah. But, like, if I thought of a funny joke that was slightly racist, I would probably say it. Yeah. You know? And that's, again, too, is, like, I have this long history of people being able to see who I am and what I've done. And like, there's a track record. For yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, uh, at this point, I almost have like a comedian's runway uh -huh. where I can say something silly. I'm also known as the silly guy, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if Brian Shaw was here and Brian Shaw was making jokes like this, you'd be like, damn, Brian, like, yeah. kick back, bro. <laughs> but, but I'm not that guy. I'm I'm known as the silly guy too. So, to me, I, I I used to be very afraid of it. Then I realized how shadow banned I am on social media, and I'm not afraid of being canceled now. Like they're already taking as much of my my money, as much of my growth, as much as my my footprint that they can take away from me legally right now, and and so what made you, what what made you realize? A shadow banning that was happening. Was there something you said? Yeah, or no, no. Oh, I think mostly the shadow ban comes from the fact that I'm friends with uh, Donald Trump Jr. Mm -hmm. I'm friends with Joe Rogan. I I have all these people, you know, that are on my friends list, and like we DM and stuff, and they read all that shit. Yeah, and um, I think. Out of everything, there's only two things I posted about in the last two years that had any political connotation whatsoever. The first thing I posted about was, oh, everyone was posting about um, Ghislaine Maxwell, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't count as, as something that's risky. But um, 
I, I posted about uh, the riots. I saw people that I know cheering on riots. I grew up fucking poor, like really poor in California for the most part, having to deal with fucking riots. I remember several times my entire neighborhood being destroyed or watching like my friend's father like bawling his eyes out on the sidewalk because he lost his little fucking market that he saved forever for. And like all these different things in my life, I've had the ability to see, which makes me a, a much more sensitive person. I couldn't believe people were out there cheering on fucking riots. And now, yeah, fine. If Target is the only Target, <laughs> damn, it, damn it, I fucked myself there. The, as the turntables have turned. You know? So if, if, if fucking Ross and the malls and all those yeah. things, if that's the only Target, then I really don't give a fuck, right? Like big business. I don't care if you stole some Jordans. I don't care. I think it's stupid. Yeah. I don't care. I really don't. What bothers me is small business has been eaten up over the last two years. Eaten up. I've watched so many of my friends lose everything. Watch them. I'll get too crazy. I have friends who have children who couldn't afford to take care of them. I have sisters who cut hair. I have many friends who own gyms. It's been a fucking couple years. And to see... People who are already down getting kicked yeah. by somebody who's like, if you're if you're cheering on riots, you're living in a pretty comfy spot, right? Like you don't you don't have to worry about yeah. the riots coming to you. Yeah. And so I posted some stuff about that, and then um, I posted just a couple things about tax. I consider myself a libertarian. Like I don't, even though there's not an actual choice for libertarian. Like it's. We have people running for office under the name Libertarian, but Wasn't they're not Libertarian. Joe the, the, bro, Ron Paul and Rand Paul uh-huh. are the are the most Libertarian people in the fucking options list, but they're Republican. So, actually, no, isn't it Rand Paul go Libertarian? I don't, anyway, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Those names don't matter because there's people under the Democrat name who are Republicans. There's people under the Republican name who are Democrats, and they're all on the same side. Like, they're all pushing forward the power of government and killing middle class. Yeah. There's no question about that. And now this podcast doesn't have to be about all this shit. But, you know, I, I only said a couple things. And I'm very careful about how I put it out there. And I, I said a couple, like, libertarian things. And then um, I, might, I might have said – yeah, I definitely said something when they were, when they were like, when people were complaining about, oh, you're you're bitching about you can't get a haircut. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, period? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, two of my sisters have each of them have one has four kids, one of them has seven kids, and they cut hair for a fucking living. Yeah, that's done. Yeah, nobody was feeding them kids. Nobody was paying their bills. We're lucky enough that I got to, I could take care of my entire family for the time that we were stuck. Wow. But if it wasn't for that. I would have been out there doing nasty shit to take care of my family. Yeah. And there wasn't nothing nobody could have ever been able to do to stop me. But yeah. It's, 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 there's something, it's when somebody's trying to turn their life around, whether it's from bad choices that they made and they're trying to make good choices or maybe the setup that they were given, right? Like the whole thing is like, we don't all start from the same starting point. Um, and then they finally get their head above water, right? 
they're finally got enough to give themselves a salary. Then they get a flat tire and they need a new radiator. And and that's it. And then yeah. they're just so bad. And so you see that with small businesses. Absolutely, man. Like right. They're not balling at the guy that has a little, you know, antique shop. He's not driving right. a Rolls Royce. No. no, he's making maybe $40,000 $40, a year. On the day of lockdown, I went to the gym in Berserker Strength in, off Chinden. Mm-hmm. There's a popcorn shop two stores down. There's like a print shop and then a popcorn shop and then there's like a tobacco shop. At, the popcorn shop is run by this little old lady. All she does is sell fucking popcorn. I walked over there the day of the lockdown, and she was just bawling her eyes out, just bawling, shaking, saying how she she wants to be there. She can't afford it if she's not there, but she thinks the police are going to come and arrest her. Oh, and I told her, I was like, I will be here all day. Jeez. Anything happens, you come get me. At the gym, two doors down, and I promise you will not be the one going to jail. Yeah. And I told her, wow. like, I promise you it will not be you. And to think we did all of that. No, we don't. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. I, I was very disappointed. Very disappointed. As someone, as someone who loves this country. But skipping ahead, I didn't do what I felt like like I could have and should have done in that situation. I kind of feel like I dampered myself down and I'm a little disappointed in myself because because uh, the truth is, is as I would have just seen less and less people and done less and less things, the more shadow banned you are, the less people see it anyways. But, yeah. So, but that's why I got shadow banned and, and people often think I'm lying about shadow banning. And so I started recording when, when I would catch it. And so, um, like a decrease in impressions, right? And all that oh stuff. Oh my gosh, the decrease in impressions. I have 702,000 followers right now mm-hmm. on Instagram, and my post will catch maybe 5,000 wow. ish. But aside from that, you can have someone. Does he follow me? Uh, nod your head if you're concerned for your life. <laughs> o- open Instagram and search my name Robert Oberst. Is this your way of getting Kyle to follow you? No. <laughs> Click follow. No. Okay, no. There's one follower for me. <laughs> I got to use that strategy. And so. Uh, O-B-E-R-S-T. But it hasn't popped up, right? Not at all. There'll be a fake account. There'll be other things, but not me. That's a fake account right there. Yeah, I know. Oh, there's a fan page too. Yeah, exactly. Someone else. There's two posts. Right. Oh, shit. So, and not me. Whoa. And then on top of that, on top of that, I've, I made myself a private profile for a while because I just got sick of all the bullshit. So um, I would see I have to accept followers. Now, uh, like I have a good day, something's happening, whatever. You get like maybe 2,500 followers or whatever. Uh-huh. Like a, a normal good day. Not like an amazing day. Like a Joe Rogan day is, is more than that, right? Did a lot change for you after Joe Rogan? Mm. Everybody always thinks your life changes, but... It doesn't really. Like, the the perception of you changes after Rogan. Oh. But like everything else stays the same. Stay the same. It's weird. That's how so much in life is. It's like, yeah. you're a man now. Do you feel different? You're like, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't feel any I, different. I have less hair on Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, but on top of the can't find me in the search, yeah. uh, I had a private page for a while. I've, I, I, I think I kept it private for about six, eight months. And normal good days, 2,500 people. An average day, I think I gained like 900 to 1,200 people. 
I was at 704,000 followers and did like a post or something and signed on and I had 900 people on the waiting list for me to accept, like accept, accept, accept. And I try to keep all the bots out, but then if there's 900 people, I just hit accept on all that shit. Yeah. You know, I really, but anyways, so except 900 people, I kick it over 705K. So 705,000 followers on my Instagram. I do something, da 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 come back later in the day, another 600 people requested. So I go through and I accept 600. That's 1,500 people. Go to my main page, look at it, 704K. Hmm. That day, I accepted two more groups of people. I think it was another 600 and another 400. The end of the day, I was at 704K. Today, I'm at 701. It goes back and forth right now. They, what, so what do you think is happening? Is they're it, cutting people off my followers. So so, so the, the people that you're accepting, these are truly people who- Now I'm back people. down to 701. What? Oh my, that's unreal. And so, today I've gone up from, I've gone down to seven, back up to 703, back down to seven, back up to 702 to 701. Do you, do you think what, 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 not they, I don't know when we can get into that too, but his name is Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, say his name. <laughs> yeah, it's say fucking his name. Voldemort. Say. <laughs> Voldemort. He is. Wait. Bitch ass fucking with me. Like I'm a lift. I lift weights, man. I don't have shit to say. I'm not a fucking government official. What the fuck do you have someone on my shit for? This is how I feed my fucking family. Like that's, I should be able to sue that piece of shit. That piece wild. of shit fucks with my family's living. And and like now on, on all of that aside, like I just want the truth out there. If this if Mark comes out and he's like, yeah, I do. I censor people I don't like. Deal with it. Then fine. It's on the fucking table. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to rumble. Yeah. Don't do this bullshit where fucking. Uh, What's what's his name? The guy who owns Tesla? Uh, Elon. So don't make Elon come and buy you and prove yeah. that you're fucking doing this shit. Is, is Elon bull- still buying Twitter? Or is that, I don't know. I heard the whole you have to prove the, the fake following thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth what they pretended it's worth. So yeah, yeah. he's not going to pay what he's offered to pay. Because Man. they come come to find out it's yeah. like 40% bots or some shit. Well, yeah, I was blown away that I used to think that the cream rises to the top. That's true with talent. But also. But there's a hand on top of the cream shoving some of it down. But I didn't realize, like, for example, in books, you know how, like, everybody gets a book out and it's, like, on the New York Times? I didn't realize you can buy a New York Times <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or you got a number Fuck one hit. yeah. You have a number one hit signal song. That doesn't mean shit. You can buy that. You can buy one. that. I didn't. It's, it's all bullshit. You can. Bro, everything our parents grew up with that made it cool, right? Like, the top hits. Yeah. And the fucking radio. Yeah. And, like, all this mass real communication, all that raw fucking energy, that's all manufactured now. That's all owned. All, all the streaming services are all owned by the record labels, so the, the the artists are getting fucked in new ways now. And all the all the news agencies that used to tell us what's going on, Watergate, all yeah. that shit, they're yeah. all owned by worse people than the fucking people that did Watergate. Like it's all it's all manufactured, and we're holding on to the American dream as it was in 1984. Yeah. And I said 84 because I was born that year. Yeah, yeah that's what life changed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the world got better yeah, December yeah. 20th, 1984. Yeah. Superman was born. Yeah. <laughs> so we're holding on to that old dream. The American dream is real, but we have to define it for our, our demographic, not demographic, our generation. Like the generation that's you, that's me, like our American generation has to redefine what it is to be an American. And, and I think we need to do it you know, as, as like 
as a statement of we're okay with this. This is what we want. Not not this whole bullshit. Like today, it seems like if anyone's got anything to say, it's a complaint. Right. Right. Like you come from a place where like you have real shit to complain about. You come from a place like your family came here because they wanted to escape forced military and they needed true medical prop like help with your little brother. Like yeah. you came here for real reasons. You were also in Eastern fucking Europe where it's like you there's a whole lot of rules on, on what, what you feel on the inside, whether you're allowed to express it or not. When there's a lot of issues with food and this and that and all this, there's a whole lot of shit going on there. That's real that we don't have here. And because of that, I'm sure you complain less. I don't even know you on, yeah. on, on like a level that I could say that, like, I can't just say, hey, you never complain. Yeah. But I could tell, I could guess from your background that you're not a complainer. Like, I think complaining is a fucking weakness that we all have just accepted. Like, that's a way of communicating. Like, even good things are said yeah. in a bad way. Yeah. That, I, listen, no one cares. Work harder. Exactly. No one cares. Exactly. I don't come from a, a, my dad working two jobs, my mom working two jobs, you know, even though the place you're born in, you just understand that the government's corrupt. The police are corrupt. Everything's corrupt. Nod your head. There's also like a fatalist, like we can't do anything about it. There's, we can't do it. From my Eastern European travels. Right. But, and but there's also like, even when you read the books or hear the stories and you go, how did you ever, but you go, no, but you don't understand. Like, that's why I don't have this like doomsday mentality here where it's like, what's next? What is the government? I'm like, mm -hmm. you could stay in your own lane. You know what right. I mean? We're not saying go follow the rules, but what we're saying is like, you can get yourself out of trouble by not trying to escalate trouble. Right. And that's, don't go looking for it. Don't go looking for it. I'm just, I changed, I unfollowed so many people on Twitter. So many people, I just, even people I agree with yeah. just cause like that's toxic, bro. It's unnecessary. There's unnecessary. And I'll tell you what, if, if it does happen again, say yeah. monkey pox comes mm -hmm. and they lock us all down. Well, guess fucking what? I ain't, I ain't a Biden. And it's, and it's funny how where you live how much it how much it matters because i you've been traveling huge you're in texas oregon and idaho right texas oregon idaho florida florida okay the the well i don't know about oregon but those three bro different part of oregon right bro. no well, yeah but oregon oregon's yeah. wild bro. Yeah, oregon's like, it's, oh yeah and like i i go through all of oregon like oh. i fly out of portland a lot oh yeah um i when i drive into oregon i spend time in several different spots anyone I don't know uh, what portion of your listeners aren't from America, but like it's America is so unique in the fact that we've got so many different cultures in this little melting pot. And it's like uh, two hours away from a farmer who's just like ride or die freedom or fucking death yeah. is Portland. And it's like, and that's yeah. just normal for us. That's just what we are. We almost have to do, have an, an America, and I'm not saying we should do this, but it's almost like how different it is, like East Coast, West Coast, and the center. Right. We almost need like providences, like in Russia. You know how like right. the whole- But that's, dude, the thing that comes from that though is more control. Oh, that's true. Everything. Well, yeah. Yeah. The more litigation we have, the yeah. more control they have. But that's the other thing is, is like, what else, what else is there, right? Like if, if California and New York- feel the way they do about their living but texas idaho and and florida feel the way they feel how do both of them how both <laughs> both of them <laughs> how, how do all of those states get their god-given right to choose they would have to be completely different places for sure exactly they have to be completely different i mean but that's 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 a libertarian or like an old school american's dream 
right? Yeah. Like, yeah. let's secede. Texas loves that. Texas yeah. loves that shit. Oh. And I fully agree. Like, I think there's so much political background that you have to be aware of with it, you know? But I think the less federal power, the better. Oh, the more government. state power, the better. Less government and more separate. And now I don't know if that means ultimately we're going to go to war with fucking Oregon, right? Like Idaho will for sure win. <laughs> come, but, on, come on. Yeah, ain't nobody coming out this way. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I... I I like I'm just uh, ride or die freedom over everything. Listen, you know? man, it's it's so true. I mean, how it felt here versus Seattle. Like I'm like life continued right. on apart from you putting a mask on in a, in a place like it felt fine. Right. You go to the park. Nobody's wearing a mask, you know, so it's really important where you live. I want to touch base on how you got into being a world's strongest man. Oh, I thought you were going to ask about my uh, sex tape leak. <laughs> how did you, how did they make it look so clear on yeah. camera? No, see, you have to have a 4K camera. 4K. And my mom was really shaky while she was holding the video. <laughs> you know, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it didn't quite uh, reach my cinematic hopes, but as a, so she's a beginner. <laughs> She's learned. Mom, my mom's locked, my videographer. Locked her in the basement for it. Punished my, her. You know? <laughs> I'm going places, mom. <laughs> so you, I know you played football for a little bit, and then long time, a long, long time. time played football. Um, and uh, I, I was only in sports, man. I was, I was an athlete, and I had no backup plan. I, I was the quintessential poor kid who was going to make it out the hood, you know, yeah. and grew up. That was my life. That was my whole life. And so, you know, when football was done with me, it was abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't have a backup plan. And uh, I, I just started bouncing um, at this club in Santa Cruz called The Catalyst. And uh, it's like the coolest place I've ever worked, man. I got to hang out with Willie Nelson and B.B. King and... You know, like all these legends came through there. Mickey Avalon, I had to carry his drunk ass out to his bus. And, you know, like what this years is cool this? shit. Oh, I, I worked there for a long time. I worked there from graduated high school '03, went to college two years, then I got kicked out. Worked two years. I used to stack backer board for a living. So, but you know what backer board oh, is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah board. Look who I'm talking to. Cement board. So for Hardy Backer, yeah. I used to stand in a, in a warehouse breathing in soot and dust all day, stacking backer board, picking it up, shaking it to make sure it didn't crack, stack it all day for 12 hours, stack, 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 stack. And then a buddy of mine hit me up and was like, hey, man, you know, the, the coach here at uh, I'm not going to say the school because the school's a fucking joke. And the bullshit coach has been lying to kids for years. I found out that the head coach that has been lying to kids about scholarships for years and then just screwing them. Oh, just the same way he did me. Yeah. You know, life's crazy. <laughs> Trying to get through this story. So <laughs> my friend hits me up and he's like, you know, my coach here says you got eligibility. Boom, boom. Saved my fucking life. Ooh. Pulled me out of Hardy Backer, stacking backer board 12 hours a day outside of Reno, cement smoking boards. cigarettes all day, breathing in dusty cement. Uh, f drove, drove myself out to Oregon to finish school and uh, had a twin bed strapped to the roof and it just fucking cruised up, man. And um, uh, at the end of that, I, I met my future um, wife and I 
just kind of found a love for athletics again. And uh, I decided I was going to be a high school football coach. Went back to Santa Cruz, California. Was coaching at my old high school, and I was bouncing. And uh, just trying to figure out what I want to do. I have I have a lot of football connections. And so, like, even before I was a strongman, they were like, oh, you want to go coach at Fresno State? You want to get a job at LSU? Like, I had, like, assistant coaching where it was like, yeah. you go earn, earn earn your education, you know. And, um... Yeah, I was I was working as a bouncer, and a friend of mine that worked there, I played juco ball with, and um, he was obsessed with strongman, like freaking obsessed. I remember um, <laughs> we went to a strip club one time, and uh, he got a lap dance, and when they came walking out, the girl just goes, so what's a truck pull? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He was man. talking to her about it. About, it didn't even have her take her clothes off. Just talk to her about stripping <laughs> or about, about strongman. So he was just like, like he'd known me for a long time. And he was just like, man, just come try it. Come try it. Come try it. So finally he convinced me. I went out to the gym, Scotts Valley, went out there and uh, did log press first day. And on my first time learning how to log press, I broke the amateur national record. And were you a big guy still back then? Bro, I graduated high school 375 pounds. Like a lot of these guys you see in my sport. 6'2", 6'3"? 6'7 and a half. 6'7 and a half. And, and, uh, I don't know why I said 6'2", 6'3", because you made me look like a child when you walked in. And it's also, I'm big, so people, it, I'm also a different kind of big. Like a natural kind of big looks different, right? Uh -huh. So like you see all these guys in my sport and you look at their high school photos and they're like bean poles, right? They all, they all got into lifting because they were skinny. I got into lifting because I was fat and I was like just so big. And to me, if I eat the way other strong men eat, I'll be 500 pounds in a month, two months, like, like that. So I'm a very different body complex, a very different, like, just person. And so... Um, so you have to restrict yourself. Very much so. Damn. Very much so. I'm, I think uh, that I know of, I'm the only strong man who eats clean. Like, like and I, I'm, I'm, right now, I'm, I'm, I've been medically cleared for three weeks just to catch everybody up. I've been medically cleared for three weeks to, com to compete after a shoulder tear. Uh, I'm now, like, I don't feel my best i don't look my best but i've i've been tightening up getting better and better i'll be competing at world strongest man 2023 and uh healthy and feeling good it'll be my last show but um yeah that being said like i'll be around other strongmen who are eating pizzas pasta you know they get to eat all this crap and like man i, I mean eggs and rice for breakfast protein shakes and and peanut butter and fucking chicken and, and bison and rice. Are they doing that because it's like, I know those guys that are like bodybuilders, they're always like metabolizing so quick, but they're doing like high reps and all that stuff, if I'm correct. But yeah, then, but, with, but with, see, that's the thing about strongman is you have to be able to do high reps too. Oh. Strongman's not like powerlifting. Uh -huh. Strongman, you have to be an athlete. Powerlifting, you can just be a fat piece of shit and stand still, squat, bench, deadlift, you know? Yeah. And like run out of breath while you walk to the car. Strongman, you have to pick up a thousand pounds and sprint with it. Then you got to pick up a 300 pound keg and put it on your diaphragm and run with it. I remember mm. you were sharing that two years ago when I was listening to you on the podcast, you were saying how you guys would put sandbags on your diaphragm yeah. to like work They're out. Called your fat girl presses. 
impressed. Everybody hate like loves loves or hates that. I didn't call. I didn't name them that. Yeah, just yeah, so yeah. everybody knows. Yeah, I was that's bit, just what they're called. <laughs> I was busy at meetings. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I, I was, at rallies. I never take my fucking hood off. <laughs> so yeah. angry. That's something I said. I did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care that he says I'm in the KKK, yeah. but goddamn, you think I'm a fucking rookie? Take Res- my hood off. Respect the rules. Yeah, respect the rules. Damn it. <laughs> no, but um. Uh, they're called fat girl presses and i think it's like the idea of like a big girl on top of you and yeah but um they're really really strengthening diaphragm and if you don't have a strong diaphragm and good cardio whoo boy you try and pull a truck wow try and pull a truck it's like it's like the craziest cardio in the world while someone's squeezing your chest what is it like you was it 70,000 pounds the pounds don't matter they don't matter it don't matter and what matters is the size of the tire and how heavy and hard the tire is. Are they fire trucks? Is that what it was? Depends. It depends. But like, check this out. Like a plane weighs twice as much as a truck, but a plane is easier to pull because oh. a plane's got little hard tires. Oh. And once you get that tire rolling, it's it momentum, right? Grows. Oh, interesting. So like, like however hard it is to get the rotation of the tire going is how hard it is to pull it. So a couple years ago, we pulled two monster trucks tied together. They tied two of them together because they're so light that the number doesn't look cool. Uh-huh. But a monster truck may be a, like a fourth of the weight of a fucking fire truck, right? But it's got big old monster tires on it. So, like, trying to fight the lip of rubber that you have to start it with yeah. is, like, that's why, like, you see somebody driving a big old truck up a hill and they, they hit the gas and the big $5 worth of fuel pumps out the back. Yeah. That $5 worth of fuel is the truck working to get going. Interesting. And so, like, that's that's what really matters when you do a pull like that. Um, there's there's nothing like that cardio, though. You try and get a fat boy out there to do that cardio, you're going to see what he had for lunch. So what are you at right now, weight-wise? I think I'm 406. 406? Uh, yeah, just about. Is that where you like to be, or is there a number? I that... don't care about the number. You I don't. care about like how I feel. Hi, hi. And and I think I feel my best like between 390 and 405 at the heaviest. What what's your body what do you know what your body fat percentage is nah, of that? I don't care. Well, I'm just curious because like when you look at a person you you kept saying jokes like fat this fat that, but you are you're tight and dead I mean dense like yeah. you and so it's like that uh those that the best thing you can remember is like you shake your Middle Eastern man's like you know some Sergey's hand, right? And it's and the, soft, the thick, and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Or, th- or thick fingers. You're like, Damn, oh, that's you're, a you're talking about a worker, yeah, yeah, yeah worker, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dense. There's no like, you know, yes, there'll be like a gut, but it's a strong, yeah. rock hard, right, right, right. So it's like, what? I'm just curious, like, what a, a strong man would be. And I, I have no clue. I know there's been a couple guys who've got tested and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't even want to guess a number because I'll sound stupid. I never really worried about that. Uh, there was a short portion of my career where I thought I was going to have to retire. And um, I had to get surgery on my bicep and all this stuff. And when I was done with that, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get lean. Yeah. You know, like I'm just going to get as lean as I can. I'm already eating the right way. Like what's this going to take? Just cut a couple carbs out, you know? Yeah. So I got down to... I think I was 375 at my lowest, and I was diced. Yeah. Like, veiny abs. Like, you couldn't get me to wear a shirt, bro. Like, Dang. I'd go to a fucking funeral topless. Yeah. Like, bro, like, Dang. I've been f- chubby my whole life. Like, I was picked on for being fat 
forever. It's like my that's time to shine, baby. Yeah, that's like, like I finally got this. Like you can't pay me to wear a shirt. <laughs> so you know, like I, I got that, and I when I'm done competing, I'll probably try and get similar to that. But I, I ultimately, once competition's over, I want quality of life, and that blends between being healthy enough to run around and feel good, but also like. Yeah, having having pancakes for breakfast with the kids sometimes yeah. and stuff like that. There's there's a healthy mix, you know. And again, that's why David Goggins sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't hate him. I'm just joking. I thought of the joke and I had to share it. Don't don't take that seriously. David Goggins. David Goggins is the man. That's hilarious. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> I just I when I think of things I have to say. I, love, I was like, oh, that would be. You funny. gotta let it drop, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What um what then? What are you eating? What's your day to day? Because you said quality of life. I I'm assuming pain is not an issue. Like do you? Work? <laughs> yeah, pain is an issue. Really? A, a huge issue. All day, every day. Yeah. All day. I got joints. Got to right? pay the piper, bro. That's 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 the way it is. You know, like I wanted to get myself out of the hole of poverty. I wanted to set my son up for a life that he'll never know what it feels like to be wondering if you're going to have dinner, you know. I I don't ever want him to have that cornered animal feeling and yeah. he never will. Yeah. Never. And if the price of that is I have back pain, then that's what it is. When you guys train um because you're not doing just like traditional like power lifters, like you know you've done these reps for these deadlifts or whatever. Um, but you're pulling trucks. Yeah. When you train, do you is it workouts that will strengthen muscle groups that you'll be able to accomplish that, or you actually are training with a similar setup? It's both. Both. So like that's the deal is you wanna you wanna be structurally sound, but you also don't want like we lift weird shit, you know, like pick up a car and run with it. You don't want the first time you pick up a car and run with it to be on camera with national TV, you know. So you you want to be prepared. But uh, there's a lot of structure that comes down to it. Now, I just thought of something I've never shared before. Um, this, if I was not me, I and I heard someone else say this, I would call bullshit. And I don't know why I'm sharing it, but I just thought of it. And because I thought of it, I'm going to share it. Mm -hmm. uh, my best shape I'd ever been in. No, I, I just said everything I said, and I meant it. But my best shape I'd ever been in was Worlds when we went to the Philippines. Okay. And when we went to the Philippines, I was walking slash sprinting hills seven days a week. I would walk this. I lived in L.A. I would walk uh, about two miles. Then I'd sit in a park for about 20 minutes. Then to get home, there was this really, really big hill. It was maybe 250 yards of like a steep L.A. hill. And I would sprint that thing. And then it was another like 300 yards flat to the house. And then I'd walk the rest of the way home. And I did that every single fucking day. Every day, no matter what. But at that time, I didn't have a lot of the equipment I needed. I was like in L.A., like there was some equipment. But like I did a lot of workouts in... Um, in an apartment gym in like this tiny little apartment gym in the mm -hmm. middle of the night. And, uh, that's the best I'd ever done. Really? I, it's the best I'd ever done. And with almost nothing, also, with almost nothing, almost nothing. But it was, it was, there's a lot that go into that factoring, right? Like 
making the decision, like I said earlier, to get up and go. Okay. The universe is like already open arms. Like, what do you need? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you got up early. You you've got a two year old and you went to bed late and got up early. Well, what do you need? Yeah. That's that's how the universe responds. At least in my case, and in almost anyone else's case that I've ever been around. Then on top of that, I I I thrive in chaos. I thrive in wildness and. There was a lot going on with that world's where it was just fucking wild. Like I was buying a new place. I was going, I was in the middle of a divorce. I had literally, it was, I don't remember, it was four or five days-ish before I flew out to the Philippines. I wrecked my truck on the highway in between Houston and San Antonio. And I flipped it so hard that the roof of the truck never touched the ground. I hit I hit the driver's side door on the grass hill, flipped completely around without touching the roof, landed back on the tires. Well, got got up, I had like glass in my neck and my arms, blood everywhere, whiplash, like, like b- crazy shit. And I, I never even told anybody about that because I, I didn't want to seem wild, you know, like when you're at your wildest, you're, you're like secretive about it. You know, like like being a drug addict, right? Uh-huh, like uh-huh. if you're a cokehead, you're not talking about coke to everybody. You don't want them to know. And I was wild as fuck. Like just, I was being a wild man. And um, it, to me, it just ended up all equaling my best performance ever. Interesting. What, so what made you pump the brakes on being wild? Like what made you get My son. That? Oh, your son did. Yeah. See, see I... For that period of time, he was like, so we divorced when he, before he was two. So it was just before he was two. Um, and let me get this aside too. I I am one of the only people that have this story that it's like, it got better when we split. And not only did it get better, we're a team now. His mom and I, we're still, we're close friends. Very close friends. Awesome. We talk all the time. We have no combativeness we have shared custody we both care about him more than anything in the world he feels loved like crazy it's a cinderella story that like i don't know anyone else who has and i just whenever i talk about divorce and all that kind of stuff i have to give credit where credit's due his mama's a badass and when you pick a good woman even if things don't work out you're, that woman's still going to care about your child's welfare. You want to make sure that you're not just, you know, with someone who's going to take advantage of that or going to hurt you on purpose, you know? Like, when there's a split, there's a lot of hurt feelings, and it's hard not to try and burn the other one to make yourself feel better. We got so lucky that to both of us, he was our world, that, like, it just we just started figuring it out, and now we're we're really close, and him and I are really, really close. Let me ask you this. What? Uh, by the way, you're a hell of a dad. I saw one of the, it was such a sweet moment. You were at a Granger Smith concert and uh, he yeah. came out and gave your son a, his guitar pick. Yeah. I was like, man, that's Grange a- Granger's a good guy. And you were just like on stage, like you're right behind the curtain. I was like, that is such yeah. a sweet, like power dad move. Well, that that's one of the things like- By the way, I flexed 
my 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 kids know who you are, and I don't want to open this podcast. This, this is the this is the funniest thing about Preston it. Preston plays. Come on, tell it, dude. You are the only person that I could think of that has affected every person in my life because the way we consume content. I was like, right. listen to Rogan. Boom, he's on Rogan. Then we're, my kids and I are watching Demolition Ranch. Boom, there's Robert and the Reaper on yeah. Demolition. Then it's like Preston Styles. Yep. Boom, here's, here's yep. Robert breaking down a box or shooting something. I, was like, I like being diverse. You know, and it it was natural to me. Like it to me, like I'm I'm interested in a lot of different things, right? Like most most guys I hunt with are into classical piano, mm-hmm. and and me, I grew up playing it. You know, like and most guys that I lift with aren't into poetry, mm-hmm. or or like most meatheads don't want to cook; they want like the food cooked for them, and just different things yeah. and. I just, I grew up with a great family. I had a mom that made me believe that I could be anything I wanted. So every time I wanted to do something, I just never hesitated. I believed in it. I was chubby my whole life, picked on my whole life, and I still had confidence. Like, my mom did such a bang-up job just making me feel like I could do anything. And that's, that's, that's the only reason I am here today. If it wasn't for that, I'd be dead. I'd be dead. I, I had a head put out on me for, I don't know, like the tiniest amount of coke. And it's like one of these like low end hits where it's like not, it's like, oh, nobody in the fucking mafia was called, right? But there was a guy who literally put a hit out on me because of some fucking coke shit. And was it because they found out it was ba- half of it was baby powder? No, because <laughs> I was a kid and I didn't understand the game. And. The guy that I was working with, it was funny as we knew each other from church. And um, the guy that I was working with, he was just snorting it all and like not selling it. He had rich parents. Mm -hmm. Like, so he was used to being able to have his parents figure it out. And that's what ended up happening is like this guy put a hit out on me and I told him, I'm like, motherfucker, like, you better figure this shit out because every time a car comes cruising up, I'm bracing to get shot. And so, uh, you know, he, I I don't know if he, like, called his parents or what, like, but he ended up getting the money, I'm pretty sure, from his parents and then paying the guy back. But, like, <laughs> I remember looking at my text. No, it wasn't even text back then. I remember seeing, like, it was in words. Like, I remember, I don't remember where I saw it. It was in words. And he said, you know, on site, which means in the hood, no. like, there's no talking once I see you. Once I see you, one of us is done. You know, and I remember seeing that and being like, oh, fuck, like this is for real. But all of that, what I'm trying to say is like being a parent is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. And I wanted my son to have all the stuff I couldn't have. But I also was fortunate enough that my mom wanted me to believe in myself. Like. Uh, there's no way I could have dug out of that hole if I didn't have faith. There's no way. My mom gave me that gift, and my mom gave me this life by just that. My dad gave me the gift of hard work. I saw him work 16-hour days for nothing, yeah. you know? And he was also he was the one who taught me how to question things and speak up for myself because my dad was a Navy vet, Vietnam, and after – you know, coming back, all that stuff, he became disenfranchised and just ended up going AWOL. Yeah. And, you know, ended up being in biker gangs. No, I don't. I didn't say gang. Biker no. clubs. Club, yeah, friends. Friends with bikes. And, uh, yeah, and stuff like that, you know. And so, like, 
he was the rough side of it. And my mom was the sweet side of it. And I, I just somehow got lucky enough to absorb both of those qualities and turn into what I am. Like I, I don't think if we did it a million other times, I don't think I'd be end up sitting here at all. One of the I, parts that I kind of don't understand and, and elaborate more on that when you said when you and your the the mother of your child, it became better. And I was I remember reading a book and the the this guy was saying how marriage it was a marriage book and he was like marriage gets either bitter or better. And I've always kept that in the back of my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't apologize and you let things dwell up or you do this thing, both people are going to constantly don't speak your mind, right? It'll constantly grow and resentment will only so it gets bitter right. or better, right? And it, that's an interesting point that you said that when you guys split up, your friendship became stronger, your communication became... Not at first. Not at first. Of course not. No, not at first. Was like, you know, someone's getting their feelings hurt and someone's having to do the hurt. You know? uh -huh. But um, it, it was very fast for, you know... I'm a communicator. Like... I'm sure you can uh, get you know gauge from just this conversation oh, here yeah. that I'm I'm a rambler. That's that's what my podcast podcast is called. It's called Mad Ramblings, and the reason it's that is that's me. Like, if you and I had some kind of issue here, right, and you said some shit that I didn't like, and for whatever reason I didn't get to address it or anything like that, I go home. I'm hanging out. I would call you at 11.30 at night and being like, I have to talk to you. I can't hold on to this. I just, I need to talk to you. And you may like it, may not like it. I don't really hold, like, I don't need anything from you. I just need to tell you this is what I felt. This is how I feel. You need to and, offload it, right? Right. right. And, and because I'm that way, like about everything, about everything, like I, I, I am that way to the point that it drives people nuts. and But it's also one of my best qualities. Like, you'll never have to worry how I feel about you. Like, you will never have that question because I will fucking say it. And um, with the relationship ending, you know, a lot of harsh things get said, a lot of things, you know, feelings get hurt. And then there gets to this awkward transition where you're going to decide who you are now. And you've got this little boy, and both of you are in love with this little thing. He's a sweetheart, big blue-eyed, blonde-haired, gorgeous monster, you know? And so you, you kind of develop your own culture by the few interactions you have once things have settled. And those first few interactions will dictate everything. You can meet in a McDonald's parking lot, not say a word to each other, just take the kid and march off, right? That's what most parents will do. Let's go fucking meet at a parking lot. Mm -hmm. Or you can go over to the birthday party, sit there uncomfortably around all of her family and sit in it, you know, like deal with it. That's that's one of the, one of the best things a coach ever told me is don't run away from being uncomfortable. You sit in that shit. You fucking sit there. Be uncomfortable. Sit in it. And, and I, ever since then, you know, like I've always noticed, like, when you don't run away from the uncomfortable situations, you, you really see a lot of 
like just shades of beauty that you don't get to see, you know? Uh, I'm so cheesy, I know. But <laughs> all of that being said, the, the, we, we started having interactions. Like that was a literal interaction. I went to my son's birthday party. Did she see that and appreciate the fact that you, you came and you sat and you were in the uncomfortable part? I don't know what she was feeling. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure like as a human, she went through an array of stuff, right? Like, mm -hmm. like maybe even excited, like, Oh, then maybe we'll get back together. And then maybe, Oh, fuck that. And then maybe like, she, I'm sure she went through a big swing of all of it. But what matters is what's going to stick. What culture are you guys going to choose? Right? Like you can be that McDonald's parking lot couple. You can be the couple that all you do is bitch to your little boy about the other person that's not in your life anymore, right? Like you could be that person. Yeah. Most people make that choice. I'd say that's the choice seven out of 10 times, maybe more. But I chose to just suck it up. I sat there and when someone took a shot at me, I smiled. I didn't say anything. I just enjoyed myself, made sure that Every time I felt uncomfortable, I would just look at my little boy and watch him play in the sand or whatever. And he turned two. Like, he has no clue. You know? Like, the only, the only gauge he gets off of how good his life is is what mommy and daddy are feeling. And not what they're saying. I said what they're feeling on purpose because they're too smart to believe your words and not what you, what you really are. So I sat there and dealt with it. And, you know, then... That next week, like I would come over and I'd hang out for a, for a day in the small little town that they're in and make sure that everyone felt comfortable. And then I even do things like, hey, you know, just to make you feel safe and, and, and know what's going on. When I have uh, our little dude, uh, I'll make sure like I, 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 what's that called where you share your location, you know, on the phone. Oh, yeah, Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I would go above and beyond to be like, hey, I want you to feel good. Uh -huh. I want you to know that I know he needs a mom in his life. I don't want to take his mom away from him. I'm, I want to be a good dad. Yeah. I don't want to quote unquote be a good dad. I want to really be a good dad. And to be a good dad, sometimes that means you got to take it on the chin. Sometimes that means you got to be okay with your son being a mama's boy. Because guess what? Daddy was a mama's boy. Yeah. And that is what it is. My dad, fucking rest in peace, and I'm sorry to say this, but my dad acted like he hated me until I was an all-star football player. Like, That's rough, yeah. My son will never know that. Because yeah. daddy tells him all the time, it's okay to be a mama's boy. Guess what? Daddy was a mama's boy. Yeah. And now he says that. He says, I'm a mama's boy, but that's okay. Daddy was a mama's yeah. boy too. And he feels okay about it. And boys need their moms. Yeah. Boys need their dads. But they need their dads to be supportive, not not tell them like, oh, you're being a pussy. Or like the other kind of shit that, you, that I can't even say nowadays. Like, but that's how I was raised until I became like kind of a dominant athlete, you know? There is something that is so powerful that happens because everything you just said uh, in, in kind of like where the approach you took, you're like, I decided to share my location to make her feel comfortable. I decided to take it on the chin and be at the party and be uncomfortable. And she saw that like- That's daddy's job. But you know, what's interesting is when you see, you, you'll talk to that friend and their marriage is in shambles, right? And they can't get along. And 
you give them advice. They're like, you should try this. And they give you excuses. Well, yes. I tried it and didn't work. And I fucking hate that. And it happened one. They, they probably mm. only tried it one time. Right? And they go, oh, it doesn't work anymore. But the thing is, like, I think men, we have this burden because, and I don't think our fathers did it because I don't, my dad never did it and my uncle didn't. But like, like, my marriage is 10 out of 10 because I, first of all, because my wife is incredible. She always gives me the benefit of the doubt, but. Well, she's Ukrainian. She's Ukrainian. Luckily. She has to. Not Russian. She's, she has to. <laughs> no, but like, I, it's because I kept kept saying, hey, like, share what's on my mind. I kept yes. apologizing before the sun went down. I, and then, but she also did those things. And so yes. it, it never allowed for bitterness to sink in. And when it comes to these relationships where the guy's like, I tried it. It didn't work. She's still a bitch. No, I don't think you kept. You weren't persistent. I think you tried it once, right? And you thought it's gonna mean something, but right. there's, and but also I'm gonna share something about like this whole father and son thing where, the daddy boy thing, um, and maybe it's different when it's like you want to paint, uh, not paint, you want to show that both people though they don't live in the same house they love you equally that nobody's a bad guy. Yeah. So maybe that's why you took that mommy mommy approach. You you made her out. Well, to it's be, also true. It's very true, right? That's but, the thing. But it applies. He's got a good mom, and I was a mama's boy. Correct. Uh, the way I'm approaching to my boys is I was a mama's boy for sure. And I know that for kids, the D, they're always, it's always easy for them to be a mama's boy. But the daddy's boy is such a, I think it's a mis, uh, misrepresented or I think it has a wrong definition because I don't think a daddy's boy is, I go hunting, fishing with my dad. Right. I think daddy's boys, I, and I made sure to make this effort with every one of them, my three kids, where when the when when they were crying in the middle of the night, I was the first one up. Yeah, I wanted to be the one that changed their diapers. I wanted yes. to be the one, and my wife loved it because she's like, "Hey, th hey, no. awesome, extra help." But what ended up happening is now when they stub their toe, they run to me. Yes, but every part of them also runs runs to her. Right, and so being the daddy's boy thing is like they've seen me cry more than ever because ever right. since I became my dad, like I'm an emotional wreck. I'm now. the same way, bro. So it's like I, I think, was a hard ass before this. Yeah. Before that, you're like, oh, you know, you're you're just kind of working, dealing with work, and you're, you know, and you know, you're playing these scenarios in your head about who's wronged you. But then now, I'm just like, my biggest fear is failing my kids that I don't have enough time to teach them things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's cool. That means you've grown and developed, you know, and that yeah. we've learned from our father's mistakes. And and I'm that same way too. Like, I, I want to be involved, and I want to do the diapers. I did. I did. Yeah. I did all. He's out of them now. But like all that kind of stuff, and um, with with the mama's boy thing, I wanted him to feel like I never wanted him to feel like he had to choose. I never wanted him to have to be like, "I love mommy or daddy more. I want to be this yeah. way or that way." I I I wouldn't allow that. I I just wouldn't. I wouldn't allow it. I would make the choice for him and and make it to where he never had to go through that. But. In doing all of that and in, in making myself so available and being so honest and expecting honesty from him, like I I don't care if, if you tell mommy that, you know, like school was great. When you talk to daddy, like if somebody picked on you or if, if yeah. a girl teased you or whatever, like don't hide that from daddy. And, and he doesn't. Yeah. And, and what's come from that is he needs me now. Like I'm, I can feel myself get emotional. It's, it's just the coolest thing. It's the best, you know, and it's like the best. he needs me. Yeah. You know? I never needed my dad. Cause I, I, I learned not to. And so I feel like 
Like I've done everything right. It's the greatest, man. It's the greatest. Being a parent, man, it's it's so hard. But when you have people who are excited to see you and they're dependent on you and you see them, even when they get to the point that they are they don't need you as much. Like right. I make my boys do chores. That's good too. I make you know, and dude, one of the best things, especially with boys, like I'll they'll both the boys will fight with each other and everybody's always having problems. But and because my my brother and I we never were close. My oldest, I'm the youngest of three. My middle mm-hmm. brother is one, the mental health. But my oldest brother, me and him, till this day, the only way we get along is we keep our distance. Uh-huh. And so, but I wish my parents instilled that, like, they're going to be your greatest resource when they're not around. Right. And to see my boys, no matter how much they fight, that when they're on their screens, they're sitting shoulder to shoulder. Yes. On a giant That's couch. what I was just going to say. The, the <sighs> unprovoked touching oh to God. me. Yeah. Like, I'll be sitting on the couch. And and he'll just come over and wrap into my arms and I melt. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. like this little person needed to touch me. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's what a weird <sighs> clip. This little person needed to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that with the hoods. <laughs> Robert, man, uh, dude, this you're you you're you're one of the, the my favorite podcasts I've ever had. Thanks, here. man. It's been you, awesome. You're 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 a really good guy, man. Thanks, man. And brother. that's the best thing when you see somebody pulling a truck. <laughs> and then you go, man, they're an awesome person too. Thanks, that's, man. that's a blessing. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, I know you got an awesome podcast. Out yeah, just well. check out the podcast. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a regular podcast listener. It's Mad Ramblings, you know, with Robert Oberst. And uh, luckily, I'm not shadow banned on podcasts. So Woo! when you search that, it will come up. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I got to start seeing if I my stuff pulls up on people who don't follow me. I was like. See, that's the other thing is we need we need to get a collective together. I start yeah. I started talking a lot to. um a couple MMA guys about this. Like you're Russian. I, I, and both of us feed our family off the social media stuff. Like there's gotta be legal recourse for fucking Darth Vader over there. Fucking with our shit. And I heard that Darth Vader is mostly like just not even high ups in the company. I heard they're just like tech guys, the engineers. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It's children. Yeah. And I remember talking to like, so one of my, uh, my year long branded sponsorships and I was talking to them, we're at an event and I go, Hey, one of my biggest fears is I'm going to say or do something out of context and you guys are just going to drop me. Right. And what he was telling me, he's like, it's usually not anybody big. It's usually like some person within a team meeting that will say at a meeting, be like, Hey, why do we have him on uh you know, when he's saying things like that, why, why is he even part of our branding? Right. And then they go, well, let's make a unanimous uh, uh, decision. Okay, well, nobody's going to start All drama. All pussies fall in line. Nobody's going to start drama amongst their peer right. groups. They have to see them every single day. So they go, okay, well, it's less problems than, than us to have this argument yeah, Let's here. just ruin this person's life. And I was like, geez, okay. Well, that's, that. you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the sooner we start putting make making fun of this woke stuff and yeah. And, and putting a damper on that before it starts escalating, the better things. And maybe do. maybe something new is supposed to happen. You know, listen. I think I think we should at least at least make a couple rough amateur points together. That's I think all so. I'm, I'm like, down. Just just I'm like down. we've already got a camera. We've yeah. got the phone. We got four point lighting here. My mom's got mics we could use. <laughs> My mom's got the <laughs> mics we could use. Listen, I will do anything for clout. <laughs> I, I got ra- Kardashians. I got banged by the world's strongest man. <laughs> there you go. Take that. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, we really appreciated it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.